Hey everybody, it's Tim. Welcome or welcome back to the LOH Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and our YouTube channel where you can access all of our message content. Most importantly, I hope the following message inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. I want us to uh, prepare ourselves as we get into this message today and ask you to join me doing a mental exercise. I would like every one of you, if you would, for a moment, just to close your eyes and I want you to use your imagination. We've been talking about having a mental image that lines up with the truth of God's word and setting our mind right because a lot of times when our mind is set right, the blessings of God that are given to us become a reality to us. And so with your eyes closed, I want to ask you to join me and go with your mind's eye. Picture yourself being in a location. And in that location, let's just call it being in yourself. In yourself. And now with your eyes closed, I want you to picture taking a walk from that location of in yourself and as like a walk steps of faith, imagining walking out of being in yourself, walking by faith in your imagination to another location and let's call that being in Christ. So you walk by faith from a location in yourself to a location in Christ by faith, and there you are. Now, in your imagination, I want you to see yourself in Jesus Christ, in the presence of Jesus. In the presence of Jesus, here's what we have. In the presence of Jesus, we have what is called redemption, which means being set free from powers and that can debilitate us, defeat us, depress us, dominate us. We are in a different location. We're not in ourselves. We're in him and in Christ we are free positionally in this place from all those other dominating dark things. I want you to see yourself like that. I also want you to see yourself in a place where all your sins, all your mistakes, all the things that you did unintentionally and intentionally that were displeasing to God, even displeasing to yourself. And I want you to see that you've moved from being in yourself to being in him, and in him we have forgiveness from all of those things. The word forgiveness means that literally in that location, someone else has lifted those things off of you and taken them to another location. And where you are is none of that guilt, condemnation, blame, it's gone. You are in him, and in him you have forgiveness of your sins. Now, it's because of being in him, in his blood, in that place where Jesus is, it's not only positional and it's not only doctrinal, it is experiential. When you are in him, whether you feel it or not, I don't, I don't, I can't make you feel it, but I, I, I ask you to see it. Whether you feel it or not, I want you to see yourself. You've walked by faith from yourself, in yourself, into a place that the Bible says is in Christ. Imagine that. That's one of the exercises I do every morning to set my mind according to the word of God rather than according to me. Do you see it? That's who you are in Christ. That is what is real, really real in him. Now, with that said, looking up this way, I want you to join me in reading this passage out loud. And the reason I, I want you to hear yourself saying this truth, this living word to yourself and within the community of the Christian people, in the communion of saints, I want us all together to proclaim this living word 
from God over one another. Will you join me? Let's do it. In him, we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespass according to the riches of his grace which he lavished on us. That's God's truth. And that's what you have if you have walked by faith out of yourself into Christ. That's what we have. We've been on this passage since the first Sunday in November. The entire month we've looked at one passage and a half of another of Scripture. And now today, I want us to go there one more time. There was a man who claimed to have been, he called it, apprehended by God. The God of the universe, according to this man, said, arrested him. He called himself somebody who had been taken prisoner by God. Arrested, apprehended, taken prisoner. Yet, this same man declared to experience the greatest spiritual liberty that a human being could know. So he calls himself apprehended, arrested, and a prisoner, yet is experiencing the greatest freeing power that a human being could have. This man claimed to live in this reality. And he pivoted his whole life on that truth and spent the rest of his life preaching that freedom in the message to anyone and everyone he could. Of course, those of you who are Bible people know, we're talking about the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament out of this going from in himself into Christ and experiencing this. This is where I want to go today. Paul was the first. He was the first to get it, and he did get it. We're going to close this series that we've been in called Rags to Riches today. Hopefully, Lord, you've saved the best to last with a message called Man Set Free. Let's look at Paul. What he just wrote and what we just read and what we just said, he was the first to experience it. Paul, something happened in his life, which we're going to look at, and from that happening, Paul lived the rest of his life viewing Jesus, Jesus Christ, as the only one. Jesus in Paul's heart, when he thought about life. Jesus and only Jesus was the real meaning of all life. He would use terminology like saying everything in him, all is in him. He would basically say there is nowhere else and there is no one else who can save us. No name under heaven by which we all must be saved. Not a preacher, not a politician, not a priest. Only one. According to Paul, this one was the only one in his eyes. He actually said it like this, for him to live was Christ. He didn't say, to me to live is to do things for Christ. He, said, he didn't even, he just said, for me to live, Jesus. Jesus. Paul, what are you doing, Jesus? What happened to him? According to him, the cosmic crown is Christ's alone. According to Paul, this Nazarene carpenter who was God's only begotten son in human flesh was now, according to Paul, exalted above all the heavens, Lord over the cosmos, Almighty God had brought his son to an ascended place and was summing up everything in heaven and earth in Jesus Christ. 
According to Paul, Jesus Christ, the work of Christ, was not peripheral in the world. It was central. It is central in the world. Kings and blind people who can see with their physical eyes may not know it, may not see it. Pompous politicians may not recognize it. Arrogant atheists may defame it. Just as Herod didn't know that in his backyard the Son of God was coming into the world born of a virgin, Paul knew that even though most don't know it, that Jesus was the only one. And Paul pivoted his whole life on this belief. Paul was the first to get it. And that's what we've read for the last month. But honestly, before Paul got it, the Lord got him. The Lord got him first. And there are a few passages I want us to look at where Paul describes what it means to have the Lord get you. Look at this one in Ephesians 3.1. Paul is explaining himself. He says, for this reason, I, Paul, and he describes himself this way, the prisoner of Christ Jesus. For the sake of you, Gentiles, non-Jews. And then he says this, if indeed you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace which was given to me for you. In other words, God trusted Paul with this message that changed him and trusted this message to Paul. Paul pivoted his life and spent the entire rest of his life faithfully stewarding what God gave him. The stewardship. And then he says, of which I was made a minister. He didn't make a ministry. Paul didn't start a ministry. Jesus started him. He was made a minister. We can't make ourselves a minister. We can't wake up one day and go, well, you know, I think I'm going to do, I can't do anything else. I think I'll just try to be in the ministry. Good luck with that. I'll tell you what, any minister worth their salt will tell you the truth. The only success they've ever had in ministry was God's success. And the only reason they're in it still is because God has given them the ability to stay in it. Because I'll tell you what, you can't stay in the ministry of Christ in your own strength. Impossible. It'll kill you dead three times. And Paul says, I was made a minister. How? According to the gift of God's grace which was given me according to the working of his power. He calls himself a prisoner. Desmios is the word. It means captive. I have been arrested. I am captured by Jesus. And then he says, look at this. He says, to me, the very least of all God's people, this grace was given so that I would preach to the non-Jews the unfathomable riches of Christ and to bring to light that which is the administration of the mystery that means to steer. Paul was chosen to steer this message that God showed him all around the world. He was steering. Administration means steering the life of God. And Paul was doing that. A message this, that was hidden all the ages past. Nobody got this. God arrested Paul and gave him the get it by grace, by mercy. He didn't earn it. He didn't work it up in his life. He didn't answer all the right questions and God said, you win. That's not how he got in. And that's not how you got in. That's not how I got in. And that's not how we stay in. We're going to talk today, like Paul, you and I, in Christ, get set free from one kind of prison in ourselves into another kind of prison that has no bondage at all. Amen. 
Here's another passage he used to describe this in his life in Galatians 1. Paul says, and he's defending his ministry. He hated to do that, by the way. And he's defending his ministry and explaining where his gospel came from. And look what he says in Galatians 1. He says, for I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. Apocalypsis is the word. An unveiling, a revealing, a pulling back the curtain. Paul says, I had a pulling back the curtain of Jesus. And out of that, I have a message. And then he describes this as fascinating. And some of you, and maybe some of you listening, watching, last week I think we had all, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people watched our YouTube. So we have a church in cyberspace. Did you know that? Isn't that, isn't that, isn't that amazing? You ever been to cyberspace? So, some of you that might be in cyberspace that you're tuning in, checking in, you've yet to walk out of in you to in him. You are like Saul of Tarsus. But I want to tell you something that I believe is true about you. It was true about him and what he says here. But when God, and listen, God has a time for you. But when God... Look at this, who had set me apart even from my mother's womb, called me through his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me. Notice, read the words closely. It doesn't say pleased to reveal his son to me. He'd already done that. Pleased to reveal his son in me. Where he came to realize that he was no longer in himself. Look at this. This is emancipation. God in his mercy, grace, was pleased to reveal the Son of God in Paul. That is where emancipation becomes real. Not just doctrinal. Not just something we know about and we proclaim. I believe in God the Father, the maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord, who was conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, crucified, dead, and buried. But I love what Rich Mullins says in the song. But I believe what I believe. It makes me what I am. Listen, I did not make it, but it is making me. Because it's the very truth of God, not the invention of any man. Do we believe what we believe? Yeah? Emancipation goes from knowledge to experience when we shift. How did Paul become free? We're going to look at that. The first thing he did is what you did, not the way we did it, but the first thing that happened with him to make him free was he changed locations. Paul went from being what we're going to look at for a minute as being in law, in law, we're going to talk about that today. Some of you had a great time with your in-laws over the Thanksgiving holiday, and some of you are here repenting this morning, working through. Anyway, God has church for all kinds of reasons. We're talking about another kind of law. We're going to look at that in a minute. Paul was in law, but his freedom came from being in Christ. Watch this. I'm going to now take you in a very oversimplified, drive nerd theologians crazy explanation about the law. The law of God that we're talking about was from God. Holy, 
righteous, good, from God himself, given by angels to Moses, from God, the law. Paul was schooled, taught as a Jewish young man. Saul was his Hebrew name. Paul was his Roman name. And as Saul, under the tutelage of, of, of the Hillelian school of the Pharisee, Pharisee school, of two schools, under the Hillel idea by a teacher named Gamaliel, he was taught the law of God from the time he was a young man uh, in his probably teens and, and young adult years. What is the law? The law of God was a parenthesis given to the people of Israel. A parenthesis in the whole plan of God. The plan of God that started with Abraham and his children after being in Egypt under bondage by Pharaoh, God set them free, called them out to himself and, 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 and made them a nation among the nations to be set apart, to be holy. And in that, he put them into a baptism, if you will, of being in the law of God. The Ten Commandments and all of the teachings, the Torah, Genesis, through Numbers, Deuteronomy, into the prophets, the law. The law was like a captivating cocoon for God's people. Not the, pap not, not, not the people of the world, but God's people were put into, if you will, a cocoon to capture them for these reasons. To teach them about the holy way of God. To teach them about the holiness of God. To teach them about how to walk before God. The law also in that cocoon was a shadow of a light that was promised to come into the world. Wherever there is a real person, they cast a shadow. The law was a shadow preparing Israel to recognize the light when he would come. In the priesthood, in the tabernacle, the table, all the emblems, the feasts, the offerings, all of those things were, were teaching tools object lessons of a shadow of a light that would come which the law spoke saying would come and in the law there was an announcement that someday God would change the whole thing he would change the way the priests were priests he would change the law and he would bring a better exodus all of that was spoken in the law by people who loved God and followed the law. You with me? Paul was in that. It was a cocoon. Do you know what a cocoon is created for? A cocoon is created by its creator for a battle, struggle, process of change, where a caterpillar, through metamorphosis, turns into a butterfly. The law was a cocoon, holy, created by God himself for these purposes. The law, Paul would later say, was like a custodian. If I wanted to make sure my grandkids got from point A to point B and I needed to trust somebody to make sure they got there, there are people in this church I could trust that to. I could trust Ollie to that. I know, I know Ollie would get my grandkids from point A to point B. The law was a custodian to bring the people of Israel to their Savior. But when the Savior came, the people were so inundated in the law that many of them, mostly the experts of it, could not see the embodiment of the law when he stood right in front of them as Jesus of Nazareth. And Paul, was Saul of Tarsus, was one who was fighting in his own cocoon and was fully law-minded. And because he was fully law-minded, he could not see the shift or the work of God coming in Jesus. He saw Jesus and the way as a false representation of the holy God and out of fear and out of zeal sought, listen, to destroy it. That's who he was. 
and on his way to Damascus with the authority of the priesthood from Jerusalem to find anybody in Damascus who was following the way, to, re to rip them out of their homes, throw them in prison, and even had the authority to put them to death. As a Bible man, do you know if you don't read the Bible with the eyes of Jesus, you could kill people in the name of God and think you're doing God a favor? The Bible can make you mean if you don't read it correctly. He doesn't give us scriptures so we can lock and load and shoot our truth bullets at people who don't line up to our way. On his way to Damascus, Jesus <clears throat> met Saul. A blinding light at noonday that knocked him to his face, blinded him for three days, and speaks his name. Saul, why are you persecuting me? He says, who are you, Lord? Can you imagine this? He says, I am Jesus. Imagine, imagine living your whole life to maybe mid-twenties, convinced you're walking right, and by lunchtime you realize everything you believe is completely wrong. That's him. He arrested me. I became his prisoner. He took me captive. And you know what he did? Paul later says that when he did, that when Jesus did that, instead of judging him, you know what he did? And this is why I believe Paul spent the rest of his life trying to chase down this one. Because instead of judging him, he said, he poured on me mercy and grace and love in abundance. That's who this Jesus is. And he raised up this man to say, if I would do that for him, I'll do that for anybody who goes, I am sick of being in me. In me doesn't work. I'm going to walk in faith to, cry, to the cross of Christ and I'm going to believe in him. I'm going to believe what I believe. And his power in that location, his power does the work in the change. How does Paul walk free? He changes location from being in law, in law to in Christ. But also, he changes location this way. I said he was in law to in Christ, but he was also ready of, of law to being of Christ. Watch this. Paul's pronouns of freedom change. I want to show you two passages, and I'm going to nerd out in the Greek grammar here a minute to show you something. This is Ephesians 1.1. We've read this. Uh, it says, here's the English, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. What's interesting is, is the, in the Greek language, it, it says Paulus. There's an OS ending to, his, to the pronoun for his name, Paul, Paulus. But he's, I think, using his Gentile name to, to identify with the Gentile world. I think that's intentional. Paulus, but he also describes himself as apostle, sent one, apostolos, same ending OS. Paulus OS, apostolos OS. Of Christ Jesus is a different tense. And what it means is this. I don't just call myself an apostle. I just don't try to apostle my life. I am in a location not only in Christ, but of. The of is alive. The of is alive. And in my location, apostleship is who I am. I am a sent one. In the location of my life, before I was born, God set me apart, apophorism, set me apart to be an apostle, a herald of this message, not because of me wanting to be, but by his power making me an apostle. Same with his name. 
My name is breathing life. My identity is alive. Do you see that? He's not of himself. He's now of Jesus. And then in Romans 1, my favorite chapter, he adds some other pronouns. These pronouns are, are, are showing us the freeing power. Look at this. Paulos adulos, OS ending, bond servant of Christ Jesus. Ekletos, called. Apostolos, aphorismenos, OS, OS, OS. What he is saying is this. If there was a big crowd of people and you yelled out, hey, set apart, he would turn and go, what? Hey, called. He would turn around and go, yes? Hey, bonded in love to Jesus. He would say, here I am. Hey, Paul, here I am. Those other parts of Paul were not titles. They were breathing, dynamic realities from going from of law to of Christ. In Christ came the set-apartness. In Christ came the call and established and sustained it. In Christ came the sent oneness. I'm making up words as I preach. Do you see what I'm saying? How, it's not Paul trying to be a love slave. It's not him trying to bond himself into a loyal level where he never turns back or compromises. That's what in law was. That's what of law was. In Christ is of Christ, and it's of Christ that I walk in my calling. Are you with me? It's of Christ that my set apart to God has living fruit. It's of him. This emancipation is a work of God, not a work of man. That's what Paul's trying to say. Listen. Muscle up Christianity is not Christianity at all. It's a false gospel. Paul did not will himself into apostleship. He didn't wake up and go, you know what I think I'm going to do? I'm going to go to apostle school. I'm going to really try to walk in a calling. I'm going to do my best to set myself apart from all the sinful things because full moon's coming and last month I howled at the moon like a werewolf so I'm going to get as far away from myself as I can. How's that working for you? Me either. That's not Christianity. That's will worship. Willpowering our way to be something according to what we know of that we're supposed to be. Last time I checked with people who do that and I used to lead the parade, there's never any joy in it. And there's definitely no life. Watch this. Next slide. He changed locations in law, of law, in Christ, of Christ. He didn't will himself into it. He didn't set himself apart. He didn't try to live out his calling. He was born and empowered in it. Regardless of how we're born, we must and can be born again. So when people in today's culture say, I can't help it, I was just born that way, I'm not going to argue that point with them. I'm going to say we were all born a certain way. But there is a way outside of us. And only the light of God can show a person who is convinced that they were born that way or whatever way. Only the light of God preached and lived out by those who claim to be in the light of God. Only that light that showed you can show them. That's the only way. You can, you can, scripture, you can murder them with scripture truth. Pamphlet them. Podcast them. 
to death. But I've watched people that all of a sudden one day the light turned on. Paul, Saul of Tarsus, outwardly in law would, it be, would be unanimously voted in as an unconverted lawman to most evangelical fundamentalist churches for their pastor. That's the dang truth. Wouldn't you select this guy? Outwardly, circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, strict allegiance. You know what Paul, Saul of Tarsus did every day for all the people that tell people that are struggling, you just need to read the Bible and pray? Ain't no, probably no evangelical that read the Bible and prayed more than Saul of Tarsus. Just saying. You don't think this man read and prayed? To the God of Jesus? He didn't pray to some other God. He didn't pray to Molech. He didn't pray to Brahma. He didn't pray to Bel. Baal. He prayed to Yahweh. Probably more than once a day. His devotions lasted all day. Every day. Constantly. Blameless. As a zeal, I persecuted the church. As to the righteousness which is in the law, outwardly, found, meaning others watching you, blameless. Let me tell you what's going on in the inside in the cocoon. The outward, you wouldn't have seen it. But here's what was going on on the inside of him. And it's the same thing going on the inside of everyone else who in head are in Christ, but in life are in law. Here's what was going on inside of Saul. I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin became alive and I died. For I know this is what the law's purpose was. Let me just say it this way, one of the things. One of the reasons God gave the law was to prove the devil's lie in the garden a lie. By knowledge, you can be like God. And God said, all right, I'll show you. I'll give you the best holiness knowledge a man could have. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall make of no image of man, beast, whatever, anything in front of me. And on and on and on. How are you doing with the ten? And then Jesus comes up on the mountain and says, you think that's something? I'll give you one more. I'll give you more. You might not break the commandment of killing, but if you have anger in your heart, you may not have committed adultery, but if you look, show us I don't look. You know what Jesus is saying in the Sermon on the Mount? Blessed are the poor in spirit, and if you don't think you are, by the time I'm done with this message, you're going to want to follow me wherever I'm going because I'm your only hope. There's your Sermon on the Mount. You've heard it said, but I'll tell you. Paul, Saul in the cocoon is coming to this place God wanted him to come to. I, here's, what I'm, here, here, here's, here's my imaginative view. God's watching Saul in the cocoon come to this. For I know that nothing good dwells in me. And he's looking in my flesh. For the willing is present, but the doing of it is not. Why? Because the of Christ is not in the of law. You with me? You with me? I see a different law in the members of my body. You? Have you tried to kill your sin nature? I saw someone post about killing their sin nature this past week. I thought, well, you can, you can nail one hand, but if you've nailed that one, how are you going to nail the other? How are you going to do it? We're not called to kill ourselves. We are to count ourselves. 
I see a different law in the members of my body waging war against the law of my thinking and making me a prisoner of the law of sin. There is an of Christ power in the world for the believer and there's an of sin power in the world and God gave the law so that people who think they're righteous would realize they're not. And they need the light to come into the shadow. I'm preaching the gospel to you. Here is when bells started ringing in heaven for Paul. What a wretched man I am. Ding! He's ready. Clarence, you get your wings. <laughs> and here it is. He's on the bridge. Help me. Help this Bible believing down to the last jot and tittle, starchy, boring, perfect thug. Help me. Help me. Ding! Bells ringing. Who will set me free from the body of this death? It's this picture. Your car is parked in a slot. And you've come to the end of that place. And over here, you place your car. And your whole world opens up to this apocalypse of the tender mercy of God undeserved and you experience it and you realize my brothers need this my sisters need this the Romans need this the Samaritans need this I'm going to take this to the end of the Paul don't go to Jerusalem you know they're going to kill you I don't what do you mean what do you mean I'm already dead what are you talking about I'm only living Christ now you try to work that up. I can't work that up. Can you work that up? There is no willpower that can liberate us to get in that location in the lot except faith. There's no one on earth or under the earth. John wept in heaven when he heard the angel say, who is worthy to break the seal? Meaning, who can emancipate the world from the grip of Babylon the Great? And no person in heaven or earth could be found. And John began to weep. And then one of the elders said, oh, church, it's time to look again. The elder said, stop weeping. Look, the lion of the tribe of Judah has conquered. The root of David, the lamb slain from the foundation, he is worthy he is worthy. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Stop weeping. Stop mourning. Stop working. Paul is saying there is an emancipation. How did you change, Paul? Paul changed through three eyes. Illumination. This is why Paul prays two times in the book of Ephesians in the midst of what he's saying. He's telling us all the stuff. He stops and goes, look, look, look. So this is why you have all this, but here's what I know. Without the light of the Spirit continually shining on you, you're going to drift back to in you. You're going to drift back to in law. And there are law preachers masquerading as preachers of the gospel who don't even know they're preaching Moses in a Jesus suit. Trying to will us out of our sin nature with a sincere heart, just like Saul. But God will, listen, God will never give his glory to another. No one will say, I ascended the hill of the Lord. There's only one who did, and he who went up came down to take us back up again. Illumination, identification, and impartation. I'm going to read to you a passage of scripture in three different interpretations of the Bible. And I don't think I have it on the screen. I don't think I put it on the screen. I, sometimes I, I give a lot of, of slides and I think, poor Tim, I can't give him 15,000 slides every week. So I'm just going to do something radical. I'm going to read the Bible instead of having it on the screen. Three different interpretations of this passage. Just listen. Lord, I pray that you would open our ears to hear you speak into the tombs 
of our will worship bondage into the liberation of the sons of God. Nevertheless, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus, even we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. There's no genesis in the law. When you're of it, in it, there's no life in it. There's a glory on God, but that glory exposes our sin. The, the glory of the law can get you to the funeral parlor, but it can't roll away the stone. Since by the works of the law, no one will be justified. But if while seeking to be justified in Christ, in other words, you're seeking to be something in Christ through the willpower again, we ourselves will be found sinners. Is Christ the one that did that? No, what you did, here's what happens. If I rebuild, if I go from of Christ and in Christ, and in the name of Jesus I get under the law thinking I'm trying to be a Christian, if I rebuild what I once destroyed, I will prove again I am a transgressor. And in many lives, that's called Christian living. And oh, the joy of such a thing. As I said last week, when God helped me see this in my life, I heard him speak to my heart and say, when I was praying, basically my prayer life was telling God all of the inventory of my sin nature with my sensitized heart. And I heard the Lord say, your prayer life bores me. Your prayer life bores me. I, did, I, I, know, I know all this about you. I've known this about you before you knew me. You're not telling me anything I don't know about you. Why don't you get out of your dumpster and go over here and stand in the flowing grace of the living water where I change you from what you can never be to what I only can make you be. If I rebuild what I once destroyed, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I died. You want to kill? Let the law kill you. And then let Jesus raise you up. I died to the law so that I might live to God. How do you live to God? I've already been crucified with Christ positionally. It's no longer I who live. This is philosophy to many of us. It was reality to Saul of Tarsus. The life I live now in the flesh, in my body, I live by faith in the Son of God. One Greek scholar and others say this way, and I believe this way. I live by the faithfulness of the Son of God. It's the faithfulness of Christ in me. It's his faithfulness working in my life that makes me faith-filled. I can't work up faith in my own soul. It's the faithfulness of the living Christ on the inside of me that creates the fruit that only Christ can bring. That's what Paul is telling us. That's the good news placed back in the gospel. I live by faith in the Son of God, look at this, who loved me when? I'm hell-bent on my way to Damascus, and he loved me. Come on now. He gave himself up for me. And then he says this, I do not nullify the grace of God. In other words, I don't push that aside because if righteousness comes through the law, then what I'm saying to God and to Jesus, your death means nothing. I'm gonna pray my way in. I'm gonna purify my life. I'm gonna fast Facebook and see if it'll change my sin nature. Oh, uh, everybody, I'm not trying to say, I'm just going to say, uh, I'm going to be off here for a while. I usually, <laughs> it doesn't work, for, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. I bought 12 of the most fantastic cinnamon rolls from Daytree's, half peanut butter, half vanilla. I went to get them, they come out with two boxes, and each one of them looks like a cake. And they said, that'll be $48, please. I got up off the ground and thought, $48? But they're champion. A couple of them are, 
They, we had leftovers, thanks. I had to bring them home. My daughter made me bring four of them home. I brought three of them here. <laughs> and the thing is, all the king's horses, all the king's men, could not stop T. McGee's willpower. I'll tell you what, the, the, I'm just telling you, and I, some of the day trees are my friends. I play basketball with them. Anyway, and this is a plug for them. I love them anyway, so. The peanut butter icing. I could rub it all over my face. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Just rub it all over my face. I don't even, I, you know you don't even care. You know when it gets to the point, it's so, something so good, you don't even care. You just, whatever. I, you don't care. I would roll in it, Tim. Have you had one lately? Listen, man, I'm telling you. It's worth the sin. It's worth it. <laughs> worth it. There's forgiveness. There's for anyway, I brought them to bless the, the, the worship team. They're up there. They're up there. I'm not taking them home. I'm gonna, I can't. Because I have, no, I have no power against it. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For he will be set free from the Daytree's cinnamon robe. <laughs> Devil. It is the devil. You know how much you have to run after you eat one of those things? Oh my gosh. Like triple, triple. Anyway, back to spirituality. Here's, here's another trick. We know that no one receives God's perfect righteousness as a reward for keeping the law. But only by the faith of Jesus. His faithfulness has saved us. Amen. And we have received God's perfect righteousness. We receive it. Now we know that God accepts no one by the keeping of religious laws. If I start over and reconstruct the old system that I had torn down with the message of grace, I will prove myself a lawbreaker because that's what it does. The law, putting it in its rightful place, establishing it, is a schoolmaster to show us our need for a salvation outside of our in Tim. Let me do it for time. I got to get to Eugene Peterson, the message. I love this. I love this part. I remember the first time I read it, I just, I just shouted. What actually took place is this. I tried keeping rules and working my head off to please God, and it didn't work. So I quit being a lawman. God bless you, Eugene Peterson. I quit being a lawman so that I could be God's man. Christ's life showed me how. I identified myself completely with him. I have been crucified with him. I don't need to kill my... I'm already in that. When I get into the location of Jesus, the crucifying work of Christ is working power against my nature to neutralize it from empowering me. Gift, grace, you can't work that up. Nobody's willpower is strong enough to overcome your sin nature. My sin nature will never be Christian. And to get fooled into trying to redeem it is a snipe hunt. That's not devotion. It's deception. Did you hear, me? Did you hear it? It's deception. It's no longer important that I appear righteous before you or have your good opinion. I'm no longer driven to impress God. Christ lives in me. The life you see me living is not mine, but it is lived by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm not going to go back on that. Is, is it not clear to you that to go back to that old rule-keeping, peer-pleasing religion would be an abandonment of everything personal and free in my relationship to Christ. I refuse to do that, to repudiate God's grace. See, that's how God sees it. If a living relationship with God comes by rule keeping, then Christ died for no reason. 
let me sum this up. The blinding light on Damascus Road poured out over three days, processed this prisoner out of the cocoon and into the metamorphosis of an empowering robe of another on his soul. Paul could not generate or originate his love bond, his set-apartness, his holy life. He could not do it. Christ created it, and he couldn't stop talking about it. God reveals the perfect law as a tutor to prove Satan's lie for what it is. By knowledge, you cannot become like God. And I'll prove it to you by giving you the most holy standards in the world. The law has a promise. You can get to heaven and have eternal life if you keep the law perfectly, perpetually, and personally. But every jot and tittle, you'll be granted, as Paul says in Romans 2, eternal life. But if you break one jot, one tittle ever, even if forever you don't, just one, there is no sacrifice that can take that sin away, but one. The only law keeper. Jesus of Nazareth. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. Let Jesus be the hero of the church again. Come on. Yeah. Hey, did you watch this? Did you hear this guy? Did you read this guy? Did you see that? I'm tired of guys. You know what guys are? They're like me. Anointed sinners without Christ. In Christ, sons Daughters gifted to present him, not us. We preach not us, but Christ Jesus is Lord. That's what Paul said. The good news is, there is, for any struggler, there is a location outside of you, outside of law, outside of willpower. There is another location, and it's open for anybody who will go there by faith, will flee to him. When you come to Christ, here's what you find out. We close with this. Everybody stand, please. Ephesians 1, I hope you got something out of this. Did you get anything out of this? To God be the glory. Listen to this. It's in Christ. I love this. You got time for this? It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Long before we first heard of Christ, listen friend, you're here today, listen to this, this is for you. This is for somebody in this room, listen. Listen, you're here, you're here today by God's divine appointment to hear this, right here. Long before we first heard of Christ, got our hopes up, he had his eye on us. Had designs on us for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and everyone. You walked into some other kind of world that's way more powerful than the world. Way more important way more lasting. What I'm talking about today, a billion years from now, we will be shouting and singing and celebrating, overwhelmed with the fact, out of the billions of people on earth, God in his mercy gave you the privilege to hear the message about his son. What do you think about that? What do you think about that? I wasn't looking for, I can't say I found God. No, 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 I wasn't looking for God. I can't boast in my searching for God. When I wasn't worthy, he, he was searching for me. And he's searching for you.
He wants to get you in a good way, in a freeing way, in a way that you, if you allow him to do his work of grace in you, you will marvel at it for the rest of your days. So Heavenly Father, I pray today for all of your sons and your daughters in this room washed in the blood of Jesus as we intentionally created this imaginative exercise at the start. We want to go back there even now and we see ourselves walking by faith out of in us, out of in the law, into Christ and living of Christ. And may you release in this place the genesis effect of the revelation of Jesus on us and in us. May we experience what we are positionally by the powerful working of the Holy Spirit. And I pray for every person here, for those who have yet to say, and it has to be a personal thing, mom can't do it, brother can't do it, sister can't do it, your husband can't do it, your wife can't do it, your preacher can't do it, your priest can't do it. This is between you. You... Jesus said, if any person hears my voice and will open the door, I will come in and I will fellowship with them and they will fellowship with me. You might say, well, yeah, but you don't understand what I've done. Listen, here's what Jesus said. If anyone comes to me, I will for no reason turn them away. He's a no reason savior. You ready? Father, I pray for every person today that you have orchestrated, you've stopped the world. You've stopped the world to call people personally by name in this room, by podcast, by YouTube, by live stream. That's amazing to me. The wind blows wherever it wills. There's nothing that can keep your gospel out. I pray for that person right now that you'd give them the grace to say yes to you, that nothing of this world, everything would pale in comparison to this great offer. And they'd say yes. If that's you with your eyes closed, everybody's head bowed, I will pray with you and for you. I can't save you. Jesus will. Jesus will touch your life. More than that. You're here and you say, Tim, God talked to me today through this message. And I want to respond. I'm afraid. I'm hesitant. But there's something on the inside of me that cannot let this go. I need to move my feet in faith to Jesus Christ. Would you pray for me that God will meet me in this prayer? Would you raise your hand? If that's you, God love you. Anyone else? Yes, God bless you. Anyone else? Anywhere here? Anywhere here? This is the most important decision you'll ever make in your life. More important than who you date, who you marry, what school you go to. This is forever, man. Anyone? I'm looking for you. Anyone? Heavenly Father, if, that, if you raised your hand, if you meant to and you didn't, but now you're ready, you're watching, you're listening, maybe it's three months from today, maybe it's in February, March, maybe it's next summer, in the spirit, God ordained this moment for you, you came across a, a podcast, you came across something your friend gave you in a dorm room, and here you are, and here's God. Father, I pray for every person right now that they would say yes to you. And as they say yes and swing wide the door of their heart, I pray that you would come like a flood. I pray that you would come like a glorious revelation of freedom and liberty and emancipation and mercy and forgiveness and grace and peace and joy unspeakable, full of glory, and you will show them that what they've heard about their whole life is in fact real. Jesus Christ is alive and real. I pray the Holy Spirit would come into their life with great power. I pray that something awesome would start right here and right now, and they would never be the same again. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Spirit, by the power of Christ's cross and the completed work in his shed blood, I speak over you who believe that you are born from above, that you're made new in Christ, 
that you are now a new creation in Christ Jesus. All things, old things have passed away from you, that he has ransomed you, rescued you, brought you out of the dominion of darkness into the light of God's dear son. And may the power of the Holy Spirit be a dynamic influence and friend and guide from this moment on in your life in the name of Jesus. Do you love the Lord today? We just praise God. Woo. Listen, whatever you feed grows and whatever you starve dies. Feed your faith and starve your doubts. Feed your faith and God will take you places you never dreamt you could go in the spirit with him. These guys are going to worship in song. Let's sing it. God love you. Just, uh, hey, next week we start a Christmas series. I hope you got something out of rags to riches. If you did, share it with somebody else. There are people that need to hear what you just heard. Please share it with somebody else. Not because of me, but for their soul and for truth, and for Christ. God bless you. Hey, this is Pastor Dustin, and thanks for listening. If you live in the Western Maryland area, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services or weekday gatherings. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environment, please visit myloh.church.